and welcome to the 250, the podcast where we don't show our faces to hide our hideous deformities. I'm Douglas, and with me as always is my co-host Jonathan. How are you, Jonathan? I'm really proud of that opener, Douglas. Yeah, yeah, you've um, you've got a face for radio, John, what can I say? <laughs> if it's your first time tuning into the 250, we've taken a snapshot of IMDb's top 250 movies of all time as of January 2020, and we have begun watching them from number 250 through to number one. In this podcast, we discuss our opinions, thoughts, and reactions to the movies within. Today's movie is number 159, The Elephant Man. While attending a local circus, British surgeon Frederick Treves comes across a man with terrible growths over his face and body, The Elephant Man. As the doctor comes to know more about the man through study and conversation, a kind and intelligent person is revealed beneath the disfigurement. The Elephant Man is directed by David Lynch, who we will be having again later on in the 250 for Mulholland Drive. Uh, We will definitely not be having him for his adaptation of Dune, unfortunately. Uh, But he's also done Twin Peaks, Blue Velvet, and A Race Ahead, amongst... uh, various other films and it was written by christopher devore eric berger david lynch frederick trees who uh, published a book and then ashley montague who also published a book called the elephant man a study in human dignity neither dougness neither dougness nor nor i have uh, seen this film before (laughs) can i remake myself to dougness dougness i was really worried about this um, Why I thought is that? Bit, I, well, I thought, okay, we're in a green patch on the list, right? Yes, we're in a drama yeah, patch on the list. we're in another drama patch, yep. And it's really a flip of the coin on whether that is, like, a miserable experience or not. And the mm. Elephant Man, I knew, you know, in passing about uh, the guy whose whole face was covered in uh, growths and stuff. So, I was like, oh, this is not going to be- This is going to be, be a good time. And it's David Lynch. And then, yes, I saw the director was David Lynch and I was like, okay, all right, we've got to pass this time. You're all right. And it is um, it is also a, a nicer story than it sort of Than it initially- sounds on paper. Yeah. Yeah. Do, um, have you watched any of other Lynch's films before? Or- I watched his entire filmography. What? I always watch it on a- on a mobile phone, just like oh. David Lynch would want. No, I haven't. I've watched the <laughs> first season of the first season of Twin Peaks. Gotcha. Um, but it's kind of I don't know. It's weird. I, I think like Twin Peaks. It's pretty good watching. Yeah, it's kooky. It's, uh, it's very like it can get a bit confusing. very slow. Yes, it's just very slow. Yes, yeah. He does love a slow burner, and uh, mm. Elephant Man definitely falls under that caveat. That's for sure. Mm. Sorry, but I didn't it's mean sort to of, break up your- No, no, my hilarious David Lynch mobile phone. But <laughs> yeah, you've, yeah. You've seen the interview, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, good. Just making sure that everyone else look it up um, David if Lynch, you don't know about- phone interview. But, but of course, everyone here is a, is a, is a film expert. Knows yeah, exactly, absolutely. They know everything. They know everything. Films. How would they not know something so they, iconic? They Douglas? probably know more than we do. <laughs> not That's probably, a good point. They definitely do. <laughs> That's a good point. It's really funny when we bring a guest on and we're like, yeah, it's just Joe Schmo that, yeah. you know, one of our friends that doesn't really talk about movies that much. And you pull them out and they're like, here's like 40 minutes of facts yeah. about this movie because yeah. I've watched it eight times. Analytical viewing of said film. And like, oh, and then oh we, God, I'm out of a job. Even get the person who was in the fucking film. <laughs> One time, well, she she did know a lot about that movie. It was yeah, quite impressive. Of, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, peculiar how she knew so much about it. Honestly, uh, Bethany Whitmore was the Bethany Whitmore. Oh, interview episode of Bethany Whitmore, 2021. Yeah, 2021. Now, fuck. 
God. What an episode. It feels like an eon. It was ago. always it was always a twenty twenty one episode, Douglas. Yeah, I know, but it still feels like an eon to go. Anyway, the elephant man. Uh good movie. I yeah. right? mm, good yeah, experience. It absolutely. was it was um maybe not the best one we've had. Uh but I, I sorry, did you have any thoughts about it? I feel like yeah, it's no, 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 no. Um not a mind blower. Like it's I agree. It's nothing I'm not about to fucking put it on a mantle piece and be like, it's the best. But it's I'm definitely very glad that I have seen it, and mm. it's one. It's definitely one of those like one thousand films you must watch before you die kind of films. You know, like you hear a lot about the Elephant Man, and yeah. I think it's. I'm happy to say that I've seen it for all of the performances. Frankly, like every single performance is a smash hit. You, uh, John Hurt and Anthony Hopkins naturally go mm-hmm. uh, get the the higher billing. For their for their work that they do, and yeah, I was not entirely blown away by cinematography in any stretch of the imagination, but screenplay and score wise, I was like, yeah, this is I get it. It's I understand it. Ugh, it ties back to the the room uh, debate that I had last week, and it's like, is the film in the two fifty purely because of its screenplay? Like, if it it would work as a book as well as it does a movie. Like, it's just you're just taking it off of a book and putting it on a screen, and that's what makes yeah. it so good. Like, does it does does it need to be a film, or should it have just stayed a book? Like, is it uh, contributing anything to the conversation as a film? And yeah. I think that yes, there is. There's an impressive level of practical effects on display and makeup um, for. John Hurt, who plays the titular Elephant Man, uh, otherwise known as uh, Joseph John Merrick. Um, he's, I believe, called John Merrick primarily for the film, which I assume is out of uh, respect for the the original gentleman, Joseph Merrick. You know what I want? I, I, you, actually, you're probably right. But I was sitting there going like, I feel like with the prosthetic they put on John Hurt, that saying Joseph would be really difficult. True. Yeah. You yeah. Can just say maybe John. It's a- John's an easy mm. seems monosyllabic yeah yeah it uh translates one to the other pretty mm, effectively he was supposed to be he was supposed to be joseph but they put all the they put the costume together and they're like fuck (laughs) it's too scary to call you that (laughs) he can't say joseph with his face like this (laughs) yeah he can't get his uh his s's out no it's it does contribute to the conversation i think that lynch does a this is a very lynch kind of tale i think as Mm. well as far as like just the tale itself and how it has slotted into history. I think there's no better man to tell it than David Lynch. He has that eye for the kooky. He has that eye for the weird and abnormal. And mm. But there's still a, such a amazing heartfelt core to this which i was not expecting in the slightest and it real like it it's the first film this year to make me cry so oh dips my lid to lynch and his whole team they did a yeah yeah really stellar job there's some weirdness to i don't really yeah i've got like a million thoughts going through my head and i really should have been writing them down so i could anyway whatever i'm gonna <laughs> i just uh, audience uh check Check in, audience. I just had um, a bunch of great things. You're never going to hear them. Cross You're off, welcome. Jonathan gets lost his own thoughts on your 250 bingo cards yep, now. On your bingo. Oh, yep. Okay. Oh, wow. So, some of you have like almost got a whole, yeah, okay. I better oh. be careful. Um, the, the, you know, there's some, there's some visual interest to it. I think this is one that feels quite good to be in black and white. Yeah. Yep. I think it's a uh, wise choice. And, and what I did like about that was that as far as black and white goes, it was really well- 
composited, I guess. The color is really good. Yep. Like thereof, the tone is really good. It's really super clear, everything. So that, and that's got to be such a job in terms of building the sets. And you've got to be like, okay, you know, avoiding muddy colors as much as yeah. possible. Yeah. You know? You're building the film as they would have for like Buster Keaton, how Buster Keaton would have built mm. his films. You're building them. There was no option for Buster Keaton. It was black and white or nothing. So yeah. you're building it with black and white in, in mind, which I think, yeah, I agree. There's a very distinct amount of care that's given to the black and white photography rather than just like, we made a film and now we're just going to put it in black and white and we'll just fuck it. Yeah. That's the product. Like it's, it's yeah. very obvious that that was a preconceived decision. So yeah. Mm. Yep. There's some editing. Did the editing feel, I, mean, I, I don't want to say like amateurish, but like amateurish to you. Felt very floaty. Felt very like kind of uh, whack that shot in here. And then like, I guess yeah. transition into that one. And then uh, for the, so some of the more, I guess, segments that do need to be airy fairy. It has that kind of quality, not airy fairy, mm. um, ethereal, uh, surreal, which Lynch tends to delve into regardless. But for the most part of like the actual core story, I, I, nah, I didn't have too many problems. I think it's just it's it, it's very eighties. Yeah, it it almost felt it, it it was, and that there is one bit of editing that I thought was really cool and quite intentional, and we'll talk about that after the spoilers. It almost felt similar to like some of the fifties films in the way that it was edited, in in that it was sort of chopped and and there's a lot of crossfades and um sometimes like really harsh audio cues, cuts yeah, and things like that, yeah. Um, where like there'll be a smooth visual transition, but a hard cut of the audio, and it'll it, it always sort of just like whoa, that's a yeah. bit. That's a jarring. Lot. It, it is, yeah. It it hits you pretty hard when it happens. I do think that that's a stylistic choice more so than anything. But I guess you know. I I, I do wonder if it's. I think I think it's somewhat trying to. I think it's trying to emulate an older style. I think. Sure. Um, and there's also the whole thing where I think this is his second, this is his second like real film, like his second feature after, after a raise a head or am I getting mixed up? Yeah, it was. This is his second feature after, gosh, he had like such a sequence, a raise a head, <laughs> the elephant man and then Dune. Yeah. There's yeah. He was clapping them out. Big, big boots. Very upward. Momentum. Hmm. So, so it could also just be, you know, building a style and um, inexperience and things like that. I would like could, to note- Could lead into that. The editor for The Elephant Man, it was uh, Anne V. Coates. Uh, her credits go The Elephant Man, Lawrence of Arabia, Whoa. and then Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> <laughs> That's a- <laughs> There's a, a big- stark jump in there. I want you to see if you can find it, gang. I know there's a clue in there somewhere. I just don't know where it is. Big time skip there as well. Yeah, yeah. From fucking 1962 to 2015, Fifty Shades of Grey came out. Yeah, interesting. Uh, yeah, so so I guess visuals-wise, it was, it was, I think, yeah, very good choice with the black and white. Yep. I, the editing was a bit weird, but that's okay. I think um, sets were kind of fun, especially there's a lot of things where it'll either be these, like, stark, open, huge, like, streets, or it'll be kind of very bustling interiors and, and sections like that, which were nice contrast for I starters, wrote down but also- that 
their Lynch's London felt richly drab. And I'm not mm. sure if that makes sense, but it's very mellow and kind of wet and grimy. But it was very rich in that. Yeah, yeah. It's that's a that's a that's one of the most like movie critic things richly I've ever richly drab. Richly drab. Lond- Lynch's London was richly drab. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect, there's a, Douglas. There's a sentence for the 250 book. <laughs> we'll have you book. in the papers in no time, Douglas. <laughs> um, there's, you know, things like the... I think the circus in the beginning is sort of a bit odd because it's sort of just a corridor of, like, curtains and things. Yeah, but that's what they were. I guess so. Um, it was just like but- this winding old hallway that you go down and you're like, where the fuck am I? And then you're like, there's a, there's a guy. Okay, moving on. <laughs> yeah, all right, easy peasy. I like the, you know, the latest circus bits are kind of cool. Yeah. The hospitals are kind of, I mean, the hospitals are sort of just kind of normal looking. They're, yeah. So they're probably, probably made more for accuracy than- Anything else. Mm. Than creativity. So, mm. yeah, it's 50-50. And because it's a, uh, well, actually, I don't know. I'm not sure. I, I I did some reading on the actual Joseph Merrick and his whole situation. Yep. And I the the, the oh, I feel like I'm gonna tumble into spoilers. It's not really a spoiler. Who cares? The cathedral is a very is like a real thing. But I I get this feeling that he's sort of just like I want to make a cathedral rather than them being like, well, the cathedral's right there, and I'm gonna build yeah. the rest of it from my imagination. So there are some inconsistencies uh, between the film and the real life uh, Joseph Merrick. Um, yep. I'll go into those in spoilers, but I think that again, when it's similar to Hacksaw Ridge, when you're doing something where you're taking from a non-fiction story, a set of historical events, there is a level of creative license that you can exert to make it more i wouldn't say more excitable for like a screen or a cinema viewing but like uh, Mm. add there's enough room for you to be like hey like it's there's more here that could be done with this character there's more here that could be done with his story and there's an engage Mm. there's a more engaging way to translate this to a screen while keeping respectful of the source material and the the actual person themselves and i think that lynch yeah. does that really well based off of like what i've read of like the bits that were in the film that didn't actually happen i'm mm. yeah i'm like yeah, i have no qualms i'm like this is a superb adaptation for what i can glean i wasn't really thinking about like being you know, the respect for the kind of source material and um that's probably why i'm not a story writer <laughs> <laughs> that's probably why like, i'm not hammer more <laughs> let's go Cut let's go glitter <laughs> i was thinking that probably another reason this film did so well is because it sort of introduces you to the historical figure itself and i think that's just sort of fun to begin that's with. that's a really it's- cool yeah yeah and and I think you know that it's a real story or you know about there being a real guy and it's like, oh, this is one way to... So, I... I th- yeah, because it's... Oh, that's the thing. It, it On one hand, it sort of doesn't really feel like... But it is a really good... It's a really good acting job. It just doesn't feel like a 250 move for some reason to me. Interesting. But it's but it's very... Yeah, it is good acting. There's some good creativity with the... With the... A lot of the creative decisions. Maybe, maybe just because it's like, well, this is not 
technically an original story. But that said, I think it's, as far as I can tell, one of the first adaptations of it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think there's been one since as well, which is- Adaptations to screen, unquestionably. Yeah. Um, So- I don't think anyone would dare fucking try and touch it after what Lynch has done here. That's a point. They did put a- there is a- there was a theatre run at about the same time, though. Oh, wow. Mm, because if you look it up, it's the Elephant Man 1980, which is this one, and then there is a recorded version of the stage show from 1982 that's sort of considered uh-huh. another version. Yeah, so- Whoa, jeez, a stage version of it. That'd be fucked. That'd be very God. weird. And, yeah. And like, also- Shook us to the guy who plays John Merrick every night. They have to get there like eight hours early to sit in the chair and get the makeup on. Yeah. I feel like it'll be a lot easier to yeah to do feel it in disrespectful. One... Oh right, yeah. oh, sorry. I thought you were going to say it was going to be easier to uh, just get the makeup on, do the bit, and then fuck off, <laughs> rather than uh, John Hurt who had to get in, get it all on, go do the shoot, go home, come back five a.m. next morning, get it all on, go out, do it again. What were you going to say, Jonathan? I was I was just saying it. I I feel like yeah, it would, and I think there's a whole. Moral aspect to that. We'll also talk about that after the spoiler zone. But I think it would be much easier to to be disrespectful of it in a screen because it's you know show is sort of a bit character, bit of a caricature in general of whatever it's. You, you sort of have to for for a multitude. It's sort of the style, but it's also you know you you do stuff big so it can be seen easily. From people in the back of the building type yes, thing. Yeah. So enunciate to the back row. John. Exactly. You end up with hammier performances and things like that as a result. But yeah. you, hmm. So I don't know. It, it seems interesting. I assume it's not running at the moment. Um, no. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know. Just knocked through the soundtrack. I don't know if you were listening to it, Douglas. No, I wasn't. Uh, it's about fifteen minutes long, I gather, unless oh. the one that I've been given is huh. is a yeah. It felt it felt like a normal length soundtrack, yeah, didn't it? Yeah, it did. So I might be wrong. Uh, composed and conducted by John Morris. Correct, Mondo. Perf- performed by the National Philharmonic Orchestra. Yep. It's I actually think it's one of the more interesting and creative. Not to put the rest of the film down, but there's, there's the score as it was written is so interesting because yeah. it's integrating all these sort of circusy tones into a fairly standard, almost like um, Demon Barbara Flea's Tree. What the fuck's his name again? Sweeney Todd. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> like a like a cross between like a Sweeney Todd in energy and like just a pure like circusy energy. It's there's that kind of spooky London backstreety kind of move, but they've <laughs> I don't know how do you how Some do you just descri- waiting for Sasha Baron Cohen to pop out? I am a doffle probably the king of the bubbles, the bubble gigs, a bonjour, good day. <laughs> I blow yeah. your kiss. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thank you, Douglas. You've uh, you've summed it up perfectly. Wow. I I didn't make that connection at all, but the, saying that, yes, I can see that. Uh, if you if you listen to the soundtrack totally, specifically, yeah. you're like that. You're just like hit by just like, yep, circus okay. sideshow. You know what? You know what I got from the soundtrack. What'd you There's, get from it, Douglas? It's one of the final pieces that plays in the film. I'm not going to mm. say what is happening on screen, obviously, it, while this it's is playing. The, this, is the, this is the scene? It's, I believe it's Adagio for strings, or it's called, it's something like that, right? Yeah. 
I was listening to that. <laughs> this is, this is it, I think it's popped up previously in the 250, but this is one of my more embarrassing moments that I'm not proud of. I was listening to that and I was listening to the melody and I was like, what the fuck? Why is this so familiar? Like, I was like, there's, there's something happening on with this melody. And then I realized <laughs> the melody that seems at the end of The Elephant Man is the same as DJ Tiesto's Adagio for Strings. <laughs> Oh, and I played the shit out of that track as a kid. I was raving to Adagio for strings as a kid. So Well, I was going to say that there's no shame in forgetting about Tiesto, but you, uh, maybe, uh, for you specific yeah. for you specifically, yes, you there should is. you should have remembered that. Yeah. Me? No. no I shits. in fact, I exert extra energy making sure that I forget about Tiesto. <laughs> uh, I didn't l- I didn't listen to Tiesto very much, but I definitely do not listen to him now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm listening to him right now because I was like, fuck yeah, there's a banger. And what do you know? Still a banger. If you watch The Elephant Man, go listen to DJ Tiesto's Dario for Strings. And then I was like, you'll see the parallel. But when I was watching it, I like slapped the arm of my couch and I was like, I can't believe that The Elephant Man ripped off DJ Tiesto. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh dear uh, well anyway um, Jonathan would you recommend the elephant man yeah yeah it's I, this is a this is a one star or a two star Michelin. Two, one or two Michelin, Michelin star Michelin ladies and gentlemen Michelin star yeah yeah one or two one or two one or two before you get your pitchforks I think it's a one or maybe it's a two I think the one is like films that are good but I don't like them two is Good enough. Well, Jonathan is having an internal debate about whether it's a one or a two. I'm just going to straight up say that, yes, I do recommend The Elephant Man, dear ladies and gentlemen, and all those in between, and I think that it's a great watch. I think it's definitely, it's going to pop up on all those lists of, like, 1,000 films you must watch before you die. I think that there's enough heart and soul to this film that I can, yeah, I can highly recommend it. It's a very enlightening experience, and I think it makes me equally more curious to learn about the original gentleman. Hmm. Yeah, I I, guess, uh, I think feel like this one goes without saying, but like content warning, I guess you could consider it like a body horror type thing. So there's a man with big growths on his body. He's got yeah. So that's no good for you then, and that's no good for you. I was gonna say they don't look at it too closely, but there are a couple of close ups of like his his bod. Yeah, his rock so bod. Mm. Uh, what do we want for a spoiler siren, Douglas? Like a like a little DJ Tiesto as a Dagio for strings. <laughs> oh, okay, good point. Yeah. And can you put wait put the elephant man's next to okay. it? Or what I want you to do? You probably what well, you probably can't do this, but could you find a MIDI version? Yeah, and then put a circus music sound for oh, over the top, over of, the top it. of it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> can do. Oh, absolutely. Thank you, Douglas. Thank you so much. Thank you for that masterpiece. (laughs) And and we see if Douglas actually did it. (laughs) Oh, so the the whole... And I I think... I don't know. I don't don't know if it's worth really analysing too deeply. I think it's sort of the... The message of the movie. Can we even say we're going into the spoiler zone? We're in the spoiler zone now, people. We're in the spoiler I'm zone I'm now. Sure we're talking about that, spoilers. We're, Douglas, we're talking about the message of the movie. We're talking about serious plot points of the movie, Douglas. I'm just talking about serious. You talk, and I'm running in my head. I'm like, do we actually say that, or do we just do a stupid sound gag, completely unprompted? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it was sort of prompted, but. <laughs> okay. Continue. We- 
Yes, thank you. Um, I mean, the this the message, I guess, of is is sort of the fact that don't judge a book by its cover. Yeah, and I I think I think the film, I guess, that da, is da, sort da. of the message. the The one that really took off for me was the fact that he, regardless of where he is, he is always sort of considered like an oddity, or he's mm, he's mm. despite him being, you know. Mixing with the upper crust, he's still- Everyone's still, like, poking and prodding at him and Looking being, and like, staring. Yeah. And, yeah. So, and and then I was like, oh, well, so, because that's pretty- It's not entry level, but the film approaches it pretty explicitly. And then, and then I'm sitting there thinking, like, does that make us part of that? Yeah. Are we- mm. Are we also- Is David Lynch also not enabling that poking and prodding and looking at his story and enabling it for, for profit? I got- Sunny Jim and Bites were capitalism. Like they, they, they embody like capitalism and exploitation. Yeah, yeah, exploitation and extrapolating his well-being and who he is for cash. Um, or for, that's not, or for that's reputation. not what extrapolating means, but that's okay. That's like really off the mark. I don't even know. I don't know what word you were going for. Uh, <laughs> I think you were just going for exploiting, right? No, there's there's a word that I was going for. I don't know. Jonathan, uh, Extrapolating it- is where you like have a trend and it lets you sort of have an idea of where it might be outside the bounds of that trend. That's a, that's an well, extrapolation. I'm extrapolating that the elephant man. <laughs> I'm is extrapolating going- that you're an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> oh Christ! Yeah, I mean, I guess so. Yeah, yeah, but I think I think also there's like. And yeah, once again, this is addressed in the film, but Frederick sort of still got a lot out of the partnership he has yeah. with mm. John Merrick. And it's mm. like, whoa, is that, he got is that his exploitation own as well? Outside of, like, and I like that Lynch kind of explores that, like that bit where mm. Hopkins is just sitting there and he's like, what the fuck am I doing? Am I a good guy or a bad guy? Yeah. Um, I like that he explores that angle. So, mm. because I think that's way better than just, I mean, you know, the, just like, the, fuck the, it. The, I don't care. He's feeling better. Whatever. It's way better than Haxel ridging it, where yes, you're just yeah. like, this is a guy and this is what he did. It's sort of like- there's, there's no moral uh, questioning or, like, yeah. debate. It's just, fuck it. Here's what he did. Fuck off. Yeah. So, and what what a story as well. Did I say? I was just like, this is made for- This is a story that was made for cinema. Yeah. You, yeah. You, Leaps you, off if the you read, If you read the guy's real life, it's like, yeah, that's that's- Insane. In the large beats, that is it. That yeah. is exactly what- well, I, I think he didn't get, like, recaptured. I think the whole he, thing- I think yeah. Jim is completely fictional. So, yes, but- he's completely fictional. Um, And he wasn't ill-treated by his managers or anything like that. He was never abducted from the hospital. Uh, the Night Watchman never existed. And he, yeah, just had a really peaceful and generally uneventful, live short life at the hospital. Mm-hmm. Which which does that feel exploitative? Uh, twisting his story so that it's more palatable more, uh, for a cinematic viewing, more interesting for yeah yeah. Mm. I think I might be thinking that. Yeah, I'm not going to be commenting. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good movie. Um, what they, what's happening at the surgeon's table at the start with the dude spraying water on his legs and? That whole surgeon situation was like, there was a lot going, there was a lot of moving pieces in that. And I was like, I don't have enough time to fully disassemble what's going on here. But Anthony Hopkins think- has got little snippers and he's incinerating. He's hanging out. What is it? Um, uh, Closing up the skin, I'm assuming, with the, the 
prong, the heated prong. He's like sealing it shut or whatever. Is that what he's doing? Or he's uh, burning something off, like burning a, a, a tumor or something off. I don't know. I don't I, know how the 19th century did it. How does medicine work? Douglas, this is why we're not doctors. I don't understand. Yeah, yeah. Where's my PhD? Real, real surgery has a lot of like people in that room like doing a bunch of different shit. a lot so. of, yeah. But so I guess it was like that back then as well. I don't know. I I do remember watching the little squirty guy and going like, "What? What's the his fuck deal? Are you what doing? is he doing? He's the guy what who's he's the guy in the group who's like, okay, I'm gonna work on the PowerPoint. <laughs> and then yeah, you're, the day of the assignment comes and you're like, "Where's the PowerPoint?" And he's like, "I got it." And it's like just word art. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and transition. I'm the water really, squirt guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah you I'm got it. The oh, water man. Oh, you were supposed to. You were supposed to provide cooling to him. Like, well, I got this little water gun. Yeah, so. yeah, I got like a little tube. I can spray on him every <laughs> now and then. I like Great, the. You're high. <laughs> I liked the performance they have. The the show the stage performance they have yeah, near the end. Yeah, there's one really dope ass shot of the from like Presidium Arch, like kind of in the shot, but like mm. it's just a stage and it's the chick like floating across the thing. Man, Lynch was absolutely jizzing himself over that shot because they hung on it for so goddamn long. And there was, yeah. there's generally like a lot of moving pieces and things to like unpack in that shot as well. So uh, I'm okay with it, but like I was just like, wow, very cool. Yeah, I, it, it's cut up very interestingly. And mm. I, I read it as them try as. Lynch trying to depict the sort of like the experience of watching a show and being really 100% like wrapped in like almost in like a childlike fashion where you're you're just sort of like focus on like snatches of it because it's like there's some really close shots of like move like things moving across the stage and and things like superimposed on top of each other it's it's really weird it's nutty yeah I wish there'd been a bit more weirdness like that in there in, in, in the film in general but I think Lynch probably would have restrained himself, if anything, because according to other reports that I have read, it's this is one of Lynch's most understandable films yet. So, mm. yeah. um, uh, take that as you will. <laughs> I don't know. I think there's not really loads else in terms of- that really kind of jumps off the page. Like, it's one of those, like, very interesting off the screen, I guess. One of those interesting, enjoyable films, which is very important, like I always say. The number one It's thing- entertaining. Yeah. 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 Number one thing a film has to be is not boring and then yeah. everything passes. As far as I'm, as the, once again, the 250, the average fume, film viewers, you know, we're trying to, we're pushing more on the average film viewer sort of side <laughs> of the angle the rather layman. than the film critic. The lay for the layman because because then we don't have to do you know Lynch's five years London of was richly drab. Mm, um, yeah, you're that, and I'm I'm the dude going. It was it was boring, was and I can see why it. people like it, yeah. but I don't want to watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, to be fair, I don't really want to watch this again either. But I I wasn't it wasn't a checking the watch yeah, yeah. type film. I, I definitely, I had to pause because I had to go and do something. And then mm. as I was doing the thing that I was doing, I was like, shit, I got to like, get back. I want to I want to see what like yeah. happens. I want to I want to know more about what's going on. So mm. that was at like the half hour mark or something. So I guess, you know, first act, you're still uh, getting your, your sea legs for what's happening in the, the screenplay. But yeah, no, I completely agree. It's definitely slow paced. And I don't think that that's going to sit well with everyone. There's times where just not there's not really that much forward momentum mm. he's just kind of doing stuff 
or like once he's actually settled in at the hospital and everything, it's more just like Trees being like, let's fucking teach you this, or let's, uh, this person has come to see you, how's that for you, or a uh, horrific traumatizing event with the Night Watchman guy, how about that for you? Uh, yeah, it's basically what a lot of the interim of the stuff outside of uh, John Merrick's shtick. I think the film doesn't kind of really hyper-focus on the relationship between the two of them like you might see from a more modern movie. I think you could have, like, scenes where it's just John and Frederick kind of just talking and and have that in sort of a- You know what it reminded me of? Mm. The King's Speech. It reminded me very, very much of that in that two-person dialogue, one person teaching another how to either- talk or to deal with some form of disability and I like those they're really interesting in my opinion to watch because I think that that tutoring process is very interesting how psychologists and speech pathologists and things like that all tackle those kinds of subjects and cases I think is really interesting to me and yeah. Would you say that the King's Speech is more effective at that particular flavour of? no. Elephant Man oh, is really? ten times more effective, unquestionably. Okay. Um, in terms Very of like payoff for what you get, maybe the King's Speech is better, but yep. in terms of like the actual uh, helping the flower bloom kind of effect, Elephant Man hit me like fifteen times harder, uh, just because of I think how genuinely sweet and infectiously kind John Hurt's performance is. Like mm, when he gets okay. invited over their house and he like goes to talk to his wife and then he just breaks down crying because he's like no woman as beautiful as you has ever treated me like this before. Like, yeah. that shit fucking- I know, it's, it's meant to. It's meant to fucking stab you in the guts. <laughs> but, like, if it's delivered incorrectly, you're just going to roll your eyes and be like, oh, my God, this fucking guy, like, just fucking- We get it. You're in a rough spot. Tough yeah. titties. But yeah. the way that John Hurt delivers the character really does make it- It taps into a level of empathy that- I think is lost a little bit in the King's speech. Oh, okay. Mm. Oh, okay. That's yeah. It's very much like not what I was expecting mm. from. Because I haven't seen the King's speech. I I I, I feel it's like a, not a bad watch. King's speech. Yeah. It it just sounds like it has maybe more focus. I think it's you know obviously there's the King's speech and I assume a relationship between those two characters sort of sort of forms, but um. Yeah, the whereas the Elephant Man, it, it, I guess it, I guess it sort of feels like the Elephant Man. It doesn't have as much to go with. I didn't live very long, and we yeah, are already yeah. adding a bunch of stuff on top of that to uh, to his life. So that's true. Yeah, I just yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I think I think there could have been more because I think a lot of it is. I think there is those really deep touching scenes, but I think specifically Frederick and John speaking together is not that common it's like it happens at the start for a little while and then it's there's some back and forth and sort of like them checking back in with each other per se but Mm. it's 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 less the focus which i mean is also fine Mm. you know it doesn't have to be that way so i think the one thing that i (laughs) me and many other people don't like about the king's speech is that it won best picture over the social network which is uh the Hugest war crime in Academy Awards history, <laughs> as far as a lot of people are concerned. <laughs> right, right. Um, but it's a fucking Academy Awards. There's, there's always going to be someone who's got to fucking carrot up their ass over one thing winning something else. But I can tell you one thing that um, 
the Elephant Man had an influence over the Academy Awards over was mm. uh, adding a makeup award, uh, like oh. a makeup, like a, an award specifically for makeup design. Um, because until 1980, they didn't have an award. They would just give out like uh, I think they were honorary awards or special awards for you know mm. like very uh, notable makeup work in film. But they never had a specialized category specifically for it until The Elephant Man. And then everyone was like, what the fuck? This deserves it. And the mm. the Academy don't have a category for it. So someone wrote in a letter and was like, hey, we need one. So then the Academy made it. But it did miss out on um, like fucking 50 to like 60 odd years worth of films that probably also had incredibly good makeup but were never acknowledged yeah. for it so um for me like first one that springs to mind is wizard of oz like that had insanely good makeup for the time and like how they decked out like the lion and tin man and like it's yeah it's got really really good makeup work but hmm. it was never recognized for it so i was yeah i was really cool to read that little tidbit and i was like fuck yeah go go lynch go <laughs> go makeup department you know you guys rock. just in time for the thing douglas two years before the thing yeah yeah hmm. just in the nick of time well, talking about tidbits and just in the nick of time douglas do we want to do you want to swap over to the trivia zone sure Joseph John Merrick was a very intelligent and well-read gentleman. He loved to read and acted out scenes from pantomimes that he was taken to see. He often ended his correspondence to well wishes by quoting an Isaac Watts verse, quote, The true my form is something odd, but blaming me is blaming God. Could I create myself anew, I would not fail in pleasing you. If I could reach from pole to pole or grasp the ocean with a span, I would be measured by the soul, the minds, the standard of the man. Oh. It's really nice. Which is a really nice verse. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I do like the um the bit where he starts citing the the psalm and uh, just like yeah. just straight up speaking it. That was really really powerful. Like the the lead mm. up to that moment, the the payoff of it, it's perfect. Perfect screenplay writing because they have that first interaction where shit kind of gets a bit choppy and then yeah, no, it's it's superb. When Paramount Pictures studio executives were shown to a cut of this movie, they wanted the opening and closing surrealist sequences to be cut. Executive producer Mel Brooks, according to uh, producer student Kornfeld, Mel Brooks said to them, quote, We are involved in a business venture. We screened the film for you to bring you up to date as to the status of that venture. Do not misconstrue this as our soliciting the input of raging primitives, end quote. <laughs> Mel Brooks, fuck him. Fuck. Laying down the gauntlet on the motherfuckers. <laughs> mm. We also missed that we didn't talk about the um, ending. I don't think we should jump into it too much, but the ending is like, it's kind Gorgeous. of- Gorgeous. So, so sweet. Yeah. No, yeah, you, you sort of like it's sort of like a fitting end for the character. I feel, mm. and it was also f quite close to the the what is considered to be the the real version of events. Mm. I think, mm. As, mm. as far as we know, in terms of yeah, how he passed and but also like the bit after that is like whoa, awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the like closer. Mm. The Elephant Man makeup took seven to eight hours to apply each day and two hours to remove. Sir John Hurt would arrive on set at 5am and shoot from noon until 10pm. Because of the strain on the actor, he worked alternate days. Makeup artist Wally Schneiderman described it as, quote, One of the hardest pictures I ever had to do. Everything was so precise. There were 14 pieces, not including the head, and they had to be applied exactly every day for continuity. You couldn't afford to make a mistake, end quote. Yeah. Yeah. And it's insane because it is, it's like perfect. 
it's you cannot tell that there is any difference from uh, scene to scene as far as continuity mm. goes. It's mm. superb. Um, unfortunately, Wally Schneiderman passed away in 2021 at the ripe old age oh. of 98. Oof. He did uh, make up work on Chaplin, The Dirty Dozen, and Fiddler on the Roof. Uh, a couple of his notable works. Well, like a film, like a film version of Fiddler on the Roof. Jonathan, have you not? So- oh my fucking God. Douglas. Douglas, what do you think we're doing? Douglas, why are we doing this podcast? So that I can see more movies. <laughs> <laughs> this movie was executive produced by Mel Brooks, who was responsible for hiring writer and director David Lynch and obtaining permission to film in black and white. He deliberately left his name off of the credits as he knew that people would get the wrong idea about the movie if they saw his name on the movie, given his fame as a satirist. Good on you, Mel Brooks. Very smart yeah, move. Yeah, yeah. Uh, probably did a lot of good for the publicity of the film. Mm-hmm. And the uh, the serious, like, uh, the the eligibility to be taken seriously and not as like a ha-ha, funny man. After the first day of shooting when Sir John Hurt was exposed for the first time to the inconveniences of having his makeup applied to walking around in it, he called his wife saying, quote, I think they finally managed to make me hate acting, end quote. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's worth noting that John Hurt, fucking blow my mind, rock my cock, played Ollivander in uh, Harry Potter. Oh. He's Ollivander. That's right. That's right. Yes. And I he's do also remember looking familiar Kane enough. in um, Alien. Yes. Uh, and I think he's someone in 1984 as well, off the top of my head. Yes. Pretty sure. I haven't seen that movie, so. Mm, mm. I'll leave that to you. Joseph John Merrick's condition was undiagnosed at the time of his death. Later studies of his skeleton and the casts made of his body led researchers to suggest he suffered from neurofibromatosis type 1, a genetic condition from which 1 in 4,000 people suffer. That's like an alarming uh, rate, by the way. Probably not to the same... Yeah, same degree, obviously, but... Still, like, that's insane. The NF Foundation used this movie as a fundraising tool and credited it with making the disease more widely known. Later examination, including CT scans of the skeleton, led researchers to believe he suffered from Proteus Syndrome, a much rarer condition than NF. A scientist in 2001 speculated that Merrick may have suffered from a combination of neurofibromatosis type 1 and Proteus Syndrome. In 2003, researchers used surviving DNA samples from Merrick in an attempt to determine his unique condition. However, these tests were inconclusive, and the cause of Joseph John Merrick's medical condition still remains unknown. Mm. Kind of cool. Kind of rough. That, that, uh, the enigma behind it, I think, is mm. uh, alluring. Following the death of the real Joseph John Merrick, parts of his body were preserved for medical science to study. Some internal organs were kept in jars, and plaster casts were taken of his head, an arm, and a foot. Although the organs were destroyed by German air raids during World War II, the casts survived and are kept at the London Hospital. The makeup for Sir John Hurt, who played Merrick in this movie, was designed directly from those casts. Wow, okay, shit. Yeah. I think, I think there's even a photo of him somewhere. Tip top. Um, the photo that you see of the real Joseph John Merrick on Wikipedia looks like pretty fucking smack dab for pretty. Uh, Lynch's version of him. Yeah. It's a, yeah, pretty good adaptation, as far as I'm concerned. The real Merrick's London showman, Tom Norman, was not a brutal drunk like the fictional Bites. Norman was a well-respected showman and a founder of a temperance society. He and Joseph John Merrick were friends and business partners. Norman paid all Merrick's expenses and split their earnings 50-50. In a few weeks, Joseph saved up £50, as much as a typical working family made in a whole year. Ever since Treves wrote his memoirs with the character of the cruel showman, the Norman family has been appalled and embarked on a campaign to clear Tom Norman's good name. 
His granddaughter Valerie is 82 and hopes to see his reputation restored before she passes away. Yeah. So, so I can just pause for a second. I'm getting mm, bothered yeah. by. Yeah, yeah, take your time. Oh, okay. Um, <clears throat> how much trivia do you have left? Uh, not too much. Um, uh, uh, can I can you fucking wrap you in? I got myself on mute right now, so he can't hear me. But he's fucking. He just stops the podcast. Like he just stops the podcast. How much trivia have I left? Yeah. Um, Do you just want to do like one more, and then we'll just close it up? Yeah. Yep. Uh, and then to round it off, the screenwriters based this movie on the memoirs of Dr. Frederick Treves, as well as other true accounts, but avoided the play by Bernard Pomerantz. The true name of the Elephant Man was not John Merrick, as most believe, but Joseph Carey Merrick. Merrick was born in Leicester, uh, Leicester? That's right, right? Leicester. Uh, Leicester. Leicester? L-E-I-C-E-S-T-R. Leicester? Leicester. Leicester. Well, Jonathan's looking at that. He was born there. In England on the 5th of August, 1862, and died at the Royal London Hospital on the 11th of April, 1890, at the age of 27. Far out. Okay. Yeah. Uh, when Dr. Trees wrote his memoir, he referred to him as John. His handwritten manuscript reveals that Trees knew, it, knew that Merrick's name was Joseph and deliberately crossed out Joseph and replaced it with John. Merrick's surviving correspondence shows he signed his name as Joseph and contemporary newspaper articles about his case refer to him by his correct name. Why Treves changed his name to John is unknown, but this movie is partly responsible for continuing that misconception. Huh. Okay, yeah, I thought it wasn't- Okay, well, I thought it was intentional. Ah! Well, so, I mean, yeah. yeah. Uh, the final scene with Joseph John Merrick going to sleep normally features Samuel Barber's adagio for strings used extensively in Platoon. Uh, How the fuck did I not hear it in Platoon? I must have, wow, I must have not had my ears open. Anyway. Well, there Douglas. You go. All right, wait. Well, audience, I always do this. Yeah. If you enjoyed this episode of the 250 podcast, we put episodes out every week, Tuesday, midnight, Australian Eastern Standard Time, which comes to Monday afternoons in Europe and Monday mornings in America. Douglas, where can people go if they want more information about the podcast? If you want more information about the podcast, you can go to- I've, I've had Tiesto's Adagio for strings on repeat this whole time, <laughs> oh my but I God. just realised. You can go to 250.com if you want more things about the podcast. We've got a link to the Instagram there, which is 250pod, T-W-O-F-I-V-E-O-H-P-O-D, if you wanted to look at it uh, yourself. We also have a link to listen to the podcast there, as well as a link to the list of films that we took back in January of 2020 and we will be using for the remainder of the podcast. Uh, Douglas and I both use Letterboxd, which is a movie tracking and reviewing website. Uh, my account on Letterboxd is Upa, that is U-U-U-P-A-H, and Douglas. My account is Ienzo Knight, that is I-E-N-Z-O-K-N-I-G-H-T, Ienzo Knight. You can look up 250 Upa or Ienzo Knight in the Letterboxd search engine and you will find our respective profiles. We do written reviews of all the films that we talk about here on the 250, as well as anything else that we've watched in our spare time. Okay, so at this point in the actual podcast recording, Jonathan was giving me, like, hurry-up signs to, like, finish the podcast. So I thought I'd just do a little... I'm editing this episode, so I thought I'd just do a little uh, solo banter here for you, just because I I didn't feel like I got to talk about the films that I wanted to talk about as succinctly as I possibly could. So here we go. Uh, I watched three Twilight films. (laughs) I watched... Twilight New Moon, Twilight Eclipse, and Breaking Dawn Part 1. I haven't seen Part 2 yet. General consensus, New Moon, perfectly palatable. Like, it, it, 
as far as like a sequel to the first one, which is unequivocally the most intriguing one out of all of them, it does fine. There's a lot of angst and everything, and it's kind of fun in like a weird, dumb way. Anyway, Eclipse completely shot the bed. Uh, I don't know what was happening over there with David Slade and just like how he wanted to direct it, but it just didn't really click for me. I can't believe that that's the same guy that made Bandersnatch. Actually, no, I kind of can because Bandersnatch was kind of shit. And then Breaking Dawn Part 1. <laughs> it completely revolves around Edward's hypersperm. Like, that's it. Feel free to write in to the 250 and try and convince me otherwise, but that's generally the whole plot of Breaking Dawn Part 1. Revolves around Edward and how his sperm is incredibly fucking vampired up and there's a lot of very confronting things that happen in that film that i'm still mildly horrified by and then uh topping that palette of movies off i watched the latest kingsman installation called the king's man which was a 2021 film starring ralph fiennes and i fucking i think this film gets a bit of a bad rap like it's it's by no means like it doesn't really contest that well with the other films because it feels like fawn doesn't really know what he wants to do tonally with the king's man like sometimes it's super serious war drama and then other times it gets into that really goofy side that the Kingsman has so I toss back and forth between that but Ralph Fiennes is really good no one talks about how Tom Hollander plays three separate fucking roles it's Risa Farns' Rasputin is worth the price of admission alone. He is sublime. I love him so much. There are a couple of things with the screenplay that genuinely shocked me a little bit and had me like, oh, fuck, I didn't think they would make that move, but then they do. So all in all, Kingsman, like, yeah, hot romp. I'd give it a, I'd give it a watch, if you, especially if you enjoyed like the other Kingsman films. I think maybe be ready for something that's different from what the other Kingsman films have been, but it's certainly better than number two, thank Christ. And then as far as the Twilight Saga goes, it's definitely one of those things that like, you know, I guess you should watch it just so you can say you've watched it. And then you can be in the hive conscious of understanding the dumbass shit that Stephanie Meyer has written into that book series and that Robert Pattinson, oh, God bless his soul, he had to perform. It was an interview that was done recently with Robert Pattinson and he was talking about how he was living off of the Harry Potter money for a really long time. Like, he was fucking loving that Cedric cash. But part of me wonders how much did he make off of Twilight? Because that shit that went for a while. And uh, he did some. That, he did other projects outside of Twilight as well, and I think that that's what's kind of led to his longevity as an actor. Is he's kind of he while he was doing Twilight, he was still looking out to do other weird, goofier projects and things that were a little bit more left of field. And he definitely is, you know, sitting into that pocket nowadays with you know Tenet, Batman, Lighthouse name a few i do love lighthouse and good time those are probably my two favorite performances of robert Patton so far and i'm going to see the batman next week when it comes out all right back to the actual recording now this is we're we're rewinding back to the actual podcast now thank you for your time take care um, I watched Death on the Nile, the new one. It was pretty good. It was an enjoyable Ooh, watch. Yeah, it's not mind blowing. Uh, Gal Gadot's performance in it is like really bad. Yeah, um, I've heard a lot of that. 
Mm. But but it's fun. It's 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 an enjoy. Yeah, I didn't hate myself for watching it. So really? yeah, yeah. Anyway, I gotta go, guys. Yeah, John. <laughs> we'll see you later. All right, fastest ending with a two five four. Yeah. Have a wonderful uh, evening, guys. I've got nothing fun to say. I will catch you on the flip side. <laughs> Bye.